In Ephesians, last week we were in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, and that's where we're going to be again today. And uh, last week we talked about the husband and wife relationship, what that looks like, what uh, it means to submit inside our homes, inside our families. And Paul, as we talked about last week, Paul says this is what it looks like to submit, and he as he's talking about what it looks like to submit in the church, he brings in husbands and wives and he says, church, this is what it looks like. And it sounds like he's talking about marriage, but then he says, I'm talking about the church, but then he says, but I'm also talking about marriage. And so it's so close together that we know that the submission looks a lot alike. And so this morning, let's all stand, and we're going to begin in verse 21. Like I said last week, verse 21 is the one that holds it all together. And so as we start here this morning, we're going to start there. Let's read this. This is my Bible, the living Word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This Word is the truth. It never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now, my mind is alert. My heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Like I said, I believe everything starts here in verse 21 as he, as he says these words. Submit, want to, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as this church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present to her himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And this is almost where he kind of looks, sounds like he catches himself. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Then he goes back. However, each one of us also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So he's saying this relationship of submission is so much alike in the church and in marriage that it's almost hard to tell what it, what it, the difference. But it all goes back, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you're part of the church, we're called to submit to one another. And we're going to look and see what that looks like this morning in the church. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to come and worship in your house this morning. And Father, we pray that the things that we talk about today, we will live out in the world outside of the church walls and everything that we do. And Father, we need you to help us with this one this morning. This is, it's hard to submit to people. But you have called us to. And so we pray this morning that you would speak and that you would show us what that looks like. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He's been talking about husband-wives and what that looks like. And then when we get down to verse 32, he says, this is really, I'm really talking about the church. 
And like I said, the thing is that marriage and the church relationship, our relationship with each other and the marriage relationship is so much alike that it's hard to tell them apart. And when he talks about this, it means that he's called us into a relationship as the church that we are to have this relationship with each other like we do in marriage. And you're like, well, that's kind of dumb, but that's what he's talking about. And he's designed us, he's designed, we learned that in, in marriage, he designs us to image God. It is only in marriage that we see the full image of God, but he has also called the church to image God. He has called us so that when people look at us and people look at our lives and people look at the way we, we treat each other and the way that we treat our spouses and the way we treat other people that we go to church with, that people outside looking in would be able to look and say, well, that's, that's what God is like. And sometimes in the church, we do a really good job of that. Sometimes people look at us and the way that we treat each other and the way that we act towards each other, and, and they get a really good image of who God is. But sometimes in the church, the way we treat each other looks a lot like the way the world treats each other. And we get aggravated at each other, and we don't always say the right things. We don't always do the right things. And, and Paul is talking about this relationship, this marriage relationship. And as I was preaching last week, I, I know that there were husbands and wives thinking, man, this is, this is a hard relationship. Being married is hard. Respecting and submitting one to another is hard. And that's with someone that you stood before God and vowed that you would do it with. That's someone that you really love more than anybody else. And you, and you stood in front of the church and you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love this woman and I'm going to uh, do the best for her and, I, and I'm going to do that. And you stood before God and you stood before your family and you said, I'm going to do this. And the word says that we're supposed to submit to that. That's to someone that you love and it's hard. Ask Cindy, she'll tell you. It's hard. Anybody that's been married, I think at some time or another, they're like, this is this is, and that's to someone you love. But God has called us in the church to have that same relationship with everybody you're sitting around. And you're saying, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. Because there's some people I'm sitting around I don't even much like some of the time. And you say, oh no, that never happens in the church. Oh yeah, it does. And God has called us to that church. And if you think it's hard to have this submission relationship in marriage, it's even harder in church with people that you don't vow to love, but people that sometimes you don't even much like. And yet this is what God has called us to because he says, if we can do this, and I can give you the power to do it, but if we can do this, it will image God in the community. And when people see you and they see the way you react and talk and submit to one another, then people will see me. And that's what he's called us to. If it was easy, everybody could do it. But he doesn't call us to easy. He calls us into this relationship to where he comes and redeems us and helps us to where we see things different so that we can love one another in the way that we should. And he calls us into this place of submission. 
And he says that in this verse 21, he says, you're to be subject to one another. You're to submit to one another. You're to put others first in the church. And if it's hard in marriage, it's sure going to be hard in the church. But Christ is our example. We see and learn submission from Christ. Christ is not below God. Christ is equal to God. Christ is God. We believe that that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are three in one. They're the same. There's not one above the other. They're equal. They're all God. And yet they're all three different persons. And you say, how is that? I don't know, but that's what we believe. And Jesus is not less than God, but we see Jesus submit to God when he comes and dies on the cross. We see submission. He's equal to God, and yet he submits. And when we go to church with people, and even in marriage sometimes, there's some times when we're thinking, I ain't submitting to you. Because we equate submitting to being lower than. But that's not the way it is. We submit because we see Jesus, who was equal to God, come underneath him for the good of others. You understand that? And God has called us to submit to one another, not because we're better than or not because we're less than. God calls us to submit for the sake of others. We become Christ-like. What did Jesus do? He came under the authority of God. He was Christ-like. Why? For the sake of others, for your sake, so that you could be saved. So in the church, we submit to one another. We become Christ-like because that's what Christ did. He submit. We submit to one another. Why? For the sake of others. We submit so that people can see who Christ is. Out of love for God and out of love for others, we submit not only to God, but we submit to man. Jesus, we see this perfect submission. He was equal to God, and yet he came as a baby. He was a teenager. He was a man. He works and, and has, a, has a living. He has a regular job like everybody else. He is, he is a carpenter. He is making things out of trees that he created. I've always wondered if he was cutting up, I am an amateur, a rank amateur carpenter. But Jesus is cutting up timber and goes, I remember this tree. I remember creating this. I know where you came from. Oh, yeah. You had a limb that was just a little bit crooked on the right. I remember you. He created this tree. And he's, it, this job is so beneath him. He's making stuff out of lumber from a tree he created. The guy who created the tree should not be making lumber, but that's what, I mean, should not be making furniture or whatever he made, but that's what he was doing. That job was so beneath him, and yet he did it. He did it. He does stuff that's beneath him to show who Christ loves us. In the church, sometime, If you're really wanting to get into the church, you're going to be asked sometimes to do things that may be beneath, it will be beneath you. There's going to be, you're going to be asked to do some things sometimes that are completely beneath you. I think, I see, I see Melinda out there and Kevin. They they have the nursery in the wee church and you are asked to wipe things that you shouldn't have to wipe. I'm just saying the way it is, man. Kids are nasty. 
that is beneath you. But you know what? They go in there and they do it. They go in there and submit to something beneath them so that you can sit in here and have church. Everybody that keeps the nursery submits to something that is beneath them. I don't know if there's anything more submissive in the church than people that come under and take care of little ones so that their parents can be in church. That is, that is nobody can, you don't get paid enough to do that. And they don't get paid anything. So, you know what I'm saying? That's submission. Anybody that works with kids or with teens or, or teaches a Sunday school class eventually is going to be asked to do something beneath them. But it's when we do stuff that's beneath them, when we put others first, when we, when we submit so that others can be uh, exalted, then we become like Christ. Because Christ was the creator and yet he submitted and became nothing. And he, 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 we see in him, and the reason it is, if you read verses 26 and 27, is to sanctify the church. He says, why do I do this? Why do I submit myself? So that you can be sanctified. Why do I give my life on the cross? So that you can be sanctified. Why do I submit myself and come under God? So that you can be sanctified. Why do we do the things that we do in the church? Why do we come and teach Sunday school classes? Why do we come and take care of little kids? Why do we come and take care of the teens? Why do we stay up all night on teen trips and and do those things that we're way too old to do anymore? Why do we submit and do that? So we could come under so that someone might be sanctified. Why do we take care of little kids so that someone might be sanctified? Why do we do that? Because that's what God has called us to in the church. And Jesus submits so that the church can be sanctified. That is the point. And his submission should move us to do the same. I want to ask you this morning, what moves you? Sometimes just the love of people moves us. Sometimes we love people and we say, well, because I love people, I will submit. I'm going to tell you what, that will run out. Love for people will run out. And you say, oh, I I love people. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. If you love people, eventually it's going to get hard to. Because eventually you're going to deal with someone that's hard to deal with. You're going to be giving and you're not going to get anything back. And you're going to be trying to get them to make some effort to help themselves and they're not going to make any effort to change. And if you deal with people long enough, they're going to become ungrateful. Okay? And that's just the way it is. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that's the way we are. And that if you are a Sunday school teacher, you are going to pour your life into people and there are going to be some people who are ungrateful. And who never listen to anything you say. If you pour your life into a teenager, they are going to be teenagers who do not listen and who will be ungrateful. If you work in the nursery, those kids are a bunch of babies. (laughs) They're ungrateful babies is what they are. Just a bunch of big babies. All right? And they're the most ungrateful people that ever walked. Okay? And we don't submit to people because we love them. If we did, I'm going to tell you, you'll get over that. You'll get over that. So that's not why we do it. 
Some people submit in hopes that eventually if I submit enough and I do enough good things, then someday I'll end up in heaven. Okay? Paul doesn't say anything about this. He doesn't say, put others first so that someday you can end up in heaven. I want to tell you, heaven is not the goal. I think for too long we've sold heaven as the goal. Heaven is not the goal. Knowing God is the goal. Heaven is gravy. Knowing God is the goal. We don't serve God so that we can get to heaven. That's, that's wanting something from him. We need to serve God because we want to know God. And we don't serve so that we get some reward sometime. We serve because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes we serve because it makes us feel better about ourselves. We, are, we live in a society that if we, if we do something, it somehow makes us feel better about ourselves. And so then we're better. That's like serving God so that we can get to heaven. We don't serve God so we can get to heaven. We serve God because he's God and he deserves it. And if he happens to let us into heaven, then all the better. If there was no heaven, it'd be still worth serving God because he's God. So we don't serve so that we can earn. We don't serve so that we can get better, so that we can, so that we can have a reward. Paul says that we submit and we serve as a response to what God did for us. Jesus comes under God and dies. He submits. He was the creator. I want you to think about this. Everything that, that has to do with Christianity comes to this. Jesus, God's son, the creator of everything, everything that was created, it says, was created through him. He is God. He is equal to God. He is not under God. He is the one that puts everything together. He is the one that holds everything in the universe together. Everything is spinning and holding together because of him. He created all this. He created all that you see. He created all the animals. I look at the animals and I think, man, what a creative mind God has. Have you ever looked at an armadillo? Come on. Who would have thought of that deal? Or an anteater with a long, or an elephant or a giraffe. Who thinks of that stuff? God. He creates all that. And then he created us. We're awesome. We are, the stuff that we can do. I was watching, I was watching the news the other night and the things that sports people can do are awesome. And then people that have brains and can think about things and create, the things they create with their mind Kale, I was watching the news the other night. They got this robot that milks the cows. I was like, where was that thing when I was born? Where was that crazy thing? If, if something's wrong with one of the cows, it calls you on the phone. I would have fished all my life. And just like, okay, I'll come back and check the cow later. Thanks, Mr. Robot. Where was this guy? And yet, that is so awesome, and yet it's not as awesome as the God who created the guy that created the milking robot. I mean, the milking robot's cool, but God created the guy that could think of it. And that's how awesome he is. And he is this awesome creator, and he creates man. And man says, you know, I think I know right from wrong better than you. What? And we don't realize how awful sin is. Because sin is looking in the face of this awesome God that creates everything and knows everything and makes us so wonderful the way we are and we can enjoy life and have all this wonderful stuff and he says, I know everything and I'm holding everything together and we all of a sudden think, you know, I'm the one holding everything together. It's all about me and I'll decide 
what's right and wrong. And sin is terrible. And that's what we do. And we do that to God. And we say, I'm going to do it myself. And you know what? If God was really, truly just, he'd say, and he would just stamp us out. But he says, oh, I know that you have done that to me. Mm. But I want to know you. And he says, Jesus, and Jesus goes, I know. He goes, Jesus, you know you're going to have to die. I know. And you know, Jesus, well, like just what Lance said. They are sinning and thumbing their nose at us. I know, God. I know, Father. But the relationship is worth it to me. Jesus, I need you to die. I need you to submit here. So that they can, so that they can know me. And Jesus goes, okay. And Jesus calls us to come to this place where we submit and where we come under him so that others can see who he is. And when we see him, then we can respond in the way that we're supposed to. And I know that we, and, and, and I know that man has sinned so much, but God says, I love them so much. And Jesus says, I do too. And we don't submit because we want to go to heaven. We don't submit because we like people. Because people aren't important because we say they are. They're important because God says they are. We love people because God loves people. And we try to submit and have relationships with people because that's what we see Jesus doing. Jesus loved and submitted people so much that he died. That's the ultimate submission. He died so that people could know who Christ is. How important are relationships to you? How important are relationships in the church? Are our relationships to each other important enough to submit one to another? Paul says that if the church is going to work, they will have to be a lot of submitting. If marriage is going to work, there has to be a lot of submitting. Do you know what destroys most relationships in marriages and in churches? I want you to link. We mistake being right with right and wrong. And we allow all sorts of relationships to, desi- to, de- to die. We allow marriage relationships, we allow church relationships to die because we are right and they are wrong. It's not about a moral right or wrong, it's just about being right. I'm not even talking about morality because we don't, we don't give on right and wrong. It's just, I was right and they were wrong. How many fights have married people and church people got into because someone was right and someone was wrong? And it wasn't about morality. It was just about, I was right. Sometimes being right, you need to just know that you were right and shut up about it. I, my wife goes through with me to McDonald's on occasion. And you're looking at me and you're going, you go there a lot, man. The McDonald's drive-thru is 
A very simple thing. There's just one bit of protocol at the McDonald's drive-thru. This lane goes. This lane goes. This lane goes. This, that's the only protocol there is to it. You know what I'm talking about. I need an amen out of you, Jeff. Jeff, you know, what I'm, you know where I'm at. You know where I'm at. But people can't understand the protocol of the McDonald's drive-thru, all right? And it drives me insane. One day, and I always take the inside lane because it's always quicker. It's always quicker. 99% of the time it's quicker. I always take the inside lane. So I take the inside lane. And as I'm coming on the inside lane one day, I see a guy come from the completely, total different direction. McDonald's goes this way. This guy's coming this way. He makes a U-turn and pulls in front of a guy that's coming through like this and gets in front of that guy. And I'm like, man, that goes against all drive-through protocol, (laughs) dude. And I'm feeling sorry for this guy. I'm like, man, that's too bad. I feel sorry for you because that guy, that was just wrong what he did. That was wrong. And so this lane comes up. It's my turn to come in. Well, I'm trying to get as far forward as I can because if I can get far forward, then this guy can come in and it's only the nice thing to do so he can start ordering. So I'm, you have to see, I'm right like this, but I can't pull out yet, but it's my turn because this guy's come in and I'm stopped here. And this guy that pulled in front of the other guy comes in and just, and I ain't going. I can't go. I mean, I'm like this far from him. And I'm so close that he can see me and I recognize who it is. He doesn't remember me, but I know him because I know that he's a member of someone in the family that goes to church here. And we're praying for this guy. And I'm just, I'm just shaking. And I got my sunglasses on so he can't see me going. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, what, what do I need to do at this, at this moment? And I thought, well, he just, I thought, well, he just didn't, he just didn't see that I was there. I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I thought he just didn't see I was there. And I'm sitting there shaking, and he turns like this. I am not, there's parts of this story that's going to be made up, but this is not one of them, okay? <laughs> he, this is the truth. If, if, I, if I weigh over 200 pounds, this is truth, and that's I do. And he goes, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, you didn't. I'm telling you, I'm just, and my hand starts, my right hand starts going like this. And I, and I, and I, my hand just inadvertently reaches up to that little knob that turns that truck into four wheel drive. And I turn it to four wheel low and I can hear that, you know, cause my hubs are locking it. Click, click. And he's not looking at me anymore. And I reach up and I grab my hat and I turn it back. (laughs) 
and I'm ready to slip my foot from the brake to the gas, and I'm going to gently nudge him through the front doors of Orschland is what's going to happen. In Jesus' name. Now, of course, I made up turning my hat around. I wasn't wearing a hat at the time. Everything else is true. No. But I was, I was mad. I was mad. And Jesus says, be mad, but don't sin. And I was mad. But the first thing that came into my mind after I got mad was, if I say anything, because no matter what I would say, it would be the wrong thing. And he had gone against all drive-through protocol. He was wrong. I was right. I was right. And I was thinking that the whole time. I mean, if I did this, if I push him through Orsland, every court that I ever went to, every jury pool they would have, would have gone through a, a McDonald's drive-through. There ain't a court in the world going to convict me. I'm going to get away with this. I was right. I was right. But if I don't submit to what I want to do. I'm never going to be able to say anything into that guy's life ever. All the stuff that his family has tried to say about the church and and what God is and what the church is, it goes right out the window. It's gone. I mean, it's gone. He ain't going to listen to one thing they say about church because their pastor is an idiot. Because he yelled at me at the McDonald's drive through and so I just stood there and shook (laughs) I was right and that's kind of it all happened mostly that way (laughs) but here's the deal on morally right and wrong deals we always we bleed for that But sometimes, even when we're right, we just need to let it go. And to my eternal shame, I haven't always done that. I know you always have, but I never, I I haven't always done that. There's sometimes that I was right, and I told people about it. And I'd have been better if I'd just let it go. Now, that's not every time, and I don't know what those times are because you need to let the Lord lead you. But in the church, sometimes we need to just submit. Not because it's right or anything like that, but because that's what Jesus does. Jesus is right, and yet he had all the moral ground. He had no reason to die for us, and he was right. He could have said, I'm not dying for those sorry people. Every time I, every time I try to lead them, I try to do something for them, they turn their back on me. Every one of them, there's not one of them. They've all sinned. They've all turned their back on me, and then, then they just keep on and keep on. They're never grateful for anything I've done, and I'm right, and I don't have to do this. He could have done that, and he'd have been right. He'd have been right. But he comes under the Father and says, I'll die for him. Sometimes in the church, we just need to die. Just die. If you do that enough, that might start spreading. And we might start getting along a little better. Might start 
people might start seeing, you know, those guys, I don't know why, but they get along really good. Why do they do that? Because we submit. Because we submit. If you're in the church, you're just you're submit. We should submit. How many people in the church over the years have quit because, well, they don't sing the songs I want to. I'm right. They need to sing these songs. And you know what? They may be right. Who cares? I I had a pastor tell me that he had some people in his church quit because the lighting was different on the back wall. They put some different lights on the back wall. I don't want no lights on the back wall. I'm leaving. Hey, they could have been right. Maybe they didn't need those on there. Who cares? At some time or another, if we're going to be the church, there are times when we have to submit to one another. Lots of times. And you may be right. But God still calls us to submit and to just let some things go. Am I the example of that? No, not always. I walk this road with you, folks. I do, okay? And we walk it together. And we learn together. And we live together. And we learn how to get along together. And this is what God has called us to as a church. So what is our reasonable response to a God that lays his life down for us. A God who puts people first, even while they're his enemies. Even when he's right and they're wrong, he puts them first. What is our reasonable response to that God? We put him first. And we put others first, like he did. I want to ask you today, are you doing that? Are you putting others first? Last week, I was asking you to put others first with someone you love. Now I'm asking you to put others first with people that sometimes are hard to get along with. Are you putting God first? Are you putting others first? I want us all to stand. Lance, come. As with nearly every sermon I preach, I had to stop and pray through on this one. I came under conviction. Saw places in my life where I haven't always submitted. And I hate that. But I'll have to repent and go on. Maybe this morning the Lord has shined some light on your heart and checked you this morning and say, am I really submitting to other people in the church? Am I looking out for what's best in the church or am I looking out for what's best in me? When people see me and the way I relate with the people I go to church with, are they seeing God this morning? I'm not talking about getting saved this morning. I'm talking about God showing some light in your life. God showing you something in your life that you need to work on. That's what I'm talking about today. If you need to pray, come as we sing this morning. Have thine own way.